0: Welcome to my podcast, d Shark Thoughts Podcast, a podcast about strong women with some sharp thoughts and great inspirational stories. I'm Diana Shark, your host, an empowerment and resilience coach for women. Today's episode is brought to you by d Shark Coaching Services. We work with women to help them gain greater clarity around their purpose, redefine their goals, rediscover their voice, create new goals, and execute in a more strategic way through our personal development and career coaching sessions. Most women will admit that there's nothing like having a good girlfriend who's more like a sister, someone you can share the most intimate details of your life with, someone you can cry with, someone you can laugh with, celebrate wins with, someone who inspires you with their own story of grace, courage, and strength. Today, I'll be talking to one of our inspiring sisters, Dr. Joan Wright Dr. Joan Wright is a global CEO, a dynamic speaker, preacher, coach, best-selling author, mother, and wife. She travels the globe training, teaching, and ministering to women and men on spiritual living and business development to include business startups and creating multiple streams of income. Her passion is to help people, to actualize wholeness through regeneration. As an award-winning CEO and ordained minister of the gospel, Joan is quite a cultural architect of her time. Her areas of expertise are business startups, book publishing, relationship building, marketing, women's and youth ministry. Her profound knowledge of business and her command of sound biblical teaching sets her apart as a game changer. Joan is a fourth time author who has detailed her testimonies of her brutal past of sexual abuse, domestic abuse, homelessness, and later of and of repeated business successes. Her books have impacted lives worldwide and continue to empower women of all ages and culture to forgive others, forgive themselves, and embrace the dominating force they were created to be. Her new releases, What If You Decided to Grow and If You Gave God Your Heart, Let Go of the Devil's Hand, are said to be transformative for the reader. In 2016, Dr. Good received a game changer endorsement from former US President Barack Obama. She was awarded for her philanthropic work in the community. In 2017, she was named Business Executive of the Year by the American Executive Society. And in 2018, she brought home the Mid CEO Society Entrepreneur Award from the Mid CEO Society. Joan has been featured everywhere on multiple media platforms such as Fox 26 News, The Tom Joyner Show, Huffington Post, Voyage Miami, CVM TV, The Gleaner, The Jamaica Observer, TVG, BYTV Miami, Houston to Houston, iHeartRadio, and Power Magazine, Multiple Streams Magazine, Sheen Magazine, Madame Nure, and so much more. Joan's story from a humble beginning, rejection, growing up in an orphanage, sexual assault, and victimization is a compelling reminder of God's grace, of his purpose, and a reminder of what we can accomplish when ordinary decides to live intentionally and extraordinarily. It is my absolute pleasure to share space this amazing global CEO, minister, and coach, Dr. Joan Good. Please make yourself welcome.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Diana, for having me on your wonderful podcast. I'm so proud of you. Uh, You look awesome, by the way. For those who can't see her, she does look like she is an anchor for Fox herself, um, but I'm so grateful to be on your platform today, so grateful to speak with you and to speak with the women who are listening and the men, I might say, <laughs> who are yeah. listening in. Um, but it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, blessing to be here today.
0: Thank you so much. Um, to us, Joan is affectionately known as Joan. Joan. Or as a coach <laughs> or a doc. So when you hear me refer to her as Joan, by no means we're disrespecting her titles and all her hard work, but mm-hmm. um, just from our relationship and our years of doing business together, we do sometimes refer to her as Joan, and she does not mind. Um, Dr. Good, no. um, yes. who is the lady behind the powerhouse brand, Joan Wright Good? How do you define yourself?
1: Um pretty simple. I am a servant of God. It's, it's that simple. Um, everything that I do, I do from the backdrop, from the background, from the whole blueprint of understanding that I was just like Christ was created for a purpose. Uh and His purpose was to come to die for us. My purpose is to live for Christ, to sacrifice myself for the good of those who he has called me to minister to and to work with so pretty much everything that I do I ask myself and it's very cliche but I ask myself what would Jesus do you know what I mean Um, I ask myself will this glorify him I ask myself will this help to build his kingdom will this help to build another human being, will this direct them to the path that they're supposed to go in? And so because of that, I'm very careful and very intentional on who I relate to, on what I touch, because as um, Kingdom entrepreneurs and founders and CEOs and coaches, everything that we touch grows, should grow. And so, if I touch something and it's not growing, then I ask myself, should I have? So that's that. That's it. The girl behind everything that I do is a servant of God.
0: That's powerful. That's (laughs) absolutely love that. She's a servant. She's a servant leader, and her (laughs) purpose is in Christ. I love that. What are your passions? What are some of the things you really, really like? (laughs) <laughs> um, and as an extension of that, what are some of your unique to you traits, the traits that make you Joan? When we look at it, we say, yes, <laughs> that's a Joan signature.
1: Uh, okay, so some of the things, okay, so if you talk to different people in my family, you may get different um, answers for this. And do know that my husband called me silly at times. You always say, if people know how silly you are. So a lot of people think that I'm a comedian, but I naturally... Um, bring light to any place that I step into so I'm very lighthearted, you know I like a good fun time clean fun Um, I like to read Uh, I don't watch tv but if I do I like to I watch the news and uh, my guilty pleasure is um, oh what you gonna call it when when what you call it the the traveling thing when they go all, of, when they buy houses, international mm-hmm. house hunting, I like that, I like that. And every now and then, every now and then, I'll, I'll take a peek at the housewives to see what they're up to. <laughs> but outside of that, my passion, my 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 passion is really building people. You know, I like to build, my, my mind never shuts off and that's to my detriment at times. Like, I just keep thinking like, what's the next thing I can do to help someone? What's the next thing I can do to to build this person, what's the next thing that I can do to build my children up, Um, you know, it's always trying to build, I believe I was born, I I think, I believe I came out of the womb as an architect, you know, just building and creating and thinking of the next, the next big move, Um, so I'm very passionate about building, and it, and, and the funny thing is, it can be building a person it can be building a business it can be building a book or it can be building my closet now so (laughs) so I like to build I like to create I like um I like I like when things are in in unison and peace and harmony um left up to me we would be living in heaven on earth (laughs) but that's what makes yeah yeah that's what makes me me take
0: What's your sole purpose? What's
1: the one thing you wake up to do each day? One thing I wake up to do each day is to live intentionally.
0: Yeah.
1: Like literally when I wake up each day, when I open my eyes, um, you know, after doing the necessities and and, and 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 getting into word and all of that, my next thing is, what am I gonna be intentional about today? You know, um, if it's business, how am I going to be intentional so that my business partners are happy, my clients are happy so that I do stay on my path to making my goal that I set for that day because I make goals for every day. And, and, my, and the goals for each day are not the same. So my goal for Friday may be, you know, don't do anything. Just rest today just chill just you know go to the spa uh go on a date with my husband um you know send the children to um, auntie's house that that could be my goal for a friday another girl could goal could be um you know let's let's travel like right now i'm in florida you know let's let's go on the yacht let's do something fun and then it could be okay um let's coach four clients today you know mm-hmm. let's shift around the coaching um Again, and another goal, my my famous goals throughout the week is let's make sure we hit our five figure goals that we're supposed to hit. You know, make sure we get those clients coming in. So, I'm very intentional about every area of my life. Like it's it's it's, it's all it's almost robotic how intentional I am because I believe that we should be intentional. Yeah. Again, just going back to the first point, um, I try to try my best to follow like you know christ christ says follow me you know um, paul said follow me like i follow christ and i try my best to do that you know i, I don't waste time because i just believe that you know time wasted you cannot get back you know what you can get back money you can make more friends you can do but you once you once you've lost time it's not something that you can get back you know so you have to make sure that you're very intentional
0: one of the most precious and rarest commodities time is
1: time mm-hmm
0: and how we trade it is critical. We're going to get to that later on, because that's a big, that's a big business principle that you teach. Yes. I know you said, you came out of the womb as an architect. So mm-hmm. building things, uh, putting mm-hmm. things together, fitting things together so they work is a part mm-hmm. of your DNA. But tell yes. me, how did you unearth and refine some of the other gifts and talents and traits that I know you possess and hundreds <laughs> of other persons that you have coached know <laughs> you possess how did you refine your coaching skills your leadership skills your speaking skills how did you discover that there was such a big gem inside mm-hmm. of you
1: they all came from experiences yes. um, I believe in my 20s when I did not know myself I did not know my calling I did not know what God's purpose was for me um, I made a lot of mistakes, and from those, well, we call them mistakes, but they're not mistakes, obviously, they're lessons. At the time, I didn't know that they are lessons, but I, like, that's how I honed in on all of the gifts and talents and passions that I have now, like, I literally was in a classroom for my entire twenties. And so I took everything that I learned from relationships, from um, jobs that I lost, from jobs that I walked off of. Cause I had good jobs and I, you know, if I'm not into it or uh, like a good friend left, I'm like, okay, well I'm not staying, you know, <laughs> so for no good reason, I would just walk off the job uh, because I did not understand the value of covenant. I did not understand the value of your word is your bond. I did not understand the value of teamwork. I did not understand the value of um, building um, while you're creating. I did not understand the value of um, taking the lessons from your nine to five and using those lessons as your blueprint for your own empire. I didn't understand any of that. So from, from falling from grace pretty much to... Um, getting into that place with God to say, God, what just happened? What is the takeaway here? What should I have learned that I didn't learn? Um, How many times am I going to go around again in the desert? Okay. Okay. God, I hear what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And it was when um, I understood that every single thing, good and bad, serves a purpose because one of the things that we um, are pretty much indoctrinated to think is that everything bad is from the devil and everything good is from God and it's not so God will God will use circumstances hard lessons harsh lessons disappointments um, sickness everything that you can think of he uses those to teach us the things that we're supposed to learn. So it was when I got into my thirties, into my learning stage, I'd say um, that I understood that everything that happened then was pretty much um, a lesson for me to take into um, pretty much leading God's people.
0: Awesome! It's an awesome experience. Take us back to some of those hard lessons, some of those hardships mm-hmm. that God used to just shape you and refine you and to bring forth this beautiful diamond. Take us through some of that. Uh, What was it like growing up in Jamaica? What were some of the hard lessons that you had to learn and some of the things that you went through as a young person and as a young adult?
1: Okay, so um, let's take it all the way back. As a young person, um, at four years old, I was at the Maxwell Park Children's Home um, my my mom had somehow, you know, become irresponsible as a parent. And so the police picked me up on the street at four years old. Um, I, I was naked. I, I only had my underwear on. I was just walking down the street. And I was told that when they stopped me, I told them that I was going to my auntie's house. And when they asked me where was that, I couldn't tell them. And so they took me to Maxwell Park Children's Home. And I was there for a while. And then when it was time for my mom to get me, they had to go through the court system. So uh, when we showed up at court that day, she pretty much grabbed me and, and ran away with me and took me to Trelawney, which was when I met my grand auntie for the very first time. So here I am, I'm four, four and a half, I guess five at the time. And my grand auntie is 70 years old and her husband was maybe 75. So I was displaced from the only only home, only place I knew from Kingston to Trelawney with older folks, no kids around, farm living, you know and so everything kind of switched for me and then I had to learn how to um, adapt to that kind of lifestyle uh, going to the field. Um, picking pimento, um, helping to cut cane, you know, having cuts all over my body from the, the, the plant of the cane, um, you know, watching them kill animals. I never saw that in my life. So to watch it being done was also traumatic and I didn't yeah. even realize how traumatic it was. Um, but just going through that whole thing and then by the time I got to age 11 and I started attending a very prominent high school in the country, um, I was raped by a form teacher, and that um, sent me into a whole mental breakdown. But coming from an apostolic uh, Pentecostal background, they didn't see that as a breakdown. They saw that as me being demon possessed. Wow. And so these are even some of the things that we have to unlearn in in um, the traditional. Uh, church settings to understand that there is life outside of demonology (laughs) everything isn't associated to a demon but um, I didn't know how to deal with um, the trauma of being assaulted Um, didn't know didn't I mean when I had my first period I thought that I was going to die because you know these are not things that you're taught and again it was it was very traumatic there but the contrast is that my family in Kingston thought that I was living my best life because my grand-aunt was seen as the rich one in the family because she had all this land and a farm and you know everything so they pretty much dumped me there and left me and now I'm living the good life not understanding that it was far from that and so it is so many times that we see people and we assume
0: right that
1: they're you know living their best life not understanding the the spiritual uh traumas uh that they're going through my thing just went out spiritual traumas that they're going through and then so fast forward i was sent back to kingston because they couldn't exercise this demon. (laughs) So I was sent back to Kingston. I came back to Kingston. I was out of school for a while uh, because they couldn't place me into a school, um, just trying to figure out what happened in that school and the assault and everything was hush hush. So I didn't have my transcripts and a whole bunch of stuff. But um, as God would have it, um, I ended up doing an entrance test at Wilma's and I was accepted because I was very bright, you know. I didn't start grade school until I was like, I think maybe seven or or eight. And I caught on like real quick. So that's why, you know, I I told I told you earlier, I came out of the room ready to create because I, I caught on really quick. And when I started attending Wilma's I was already like a year behind. And so they when they when they put me in, I think it was second form. I actually should have been in, uh, in um, first form, I believe. Um, so I was always a year older than my classmates and uh, started attending Woolmers. And, um, you know, like my little crew, we were seen as the, the, the girls. We, we didn't fit in because we were from downtown. We were from the inner city, from ghetto, as people call it. And everybody was pretty much prepped people. I mean, I remember when Swatch, you remember when Swatch used to be worn? I was yes. like, what is Swatch? You know, everybody had Swatch and Gen Sport bags and stuff like that. I was creating, like I created, I made my own school bag. Um, you know, I went downtown and shopped shop and bought things and put them together and made little unique things. But um, my time at Woolmas was, was pretty, I, I would say it was, it was a good time. I made a lot of friends, but I still felt like an outcast cause I didn't look like them. I didn't feel like them. I didn't relate like them. I didn't have a family like them. I didn't have parents who was picking me up at school. You know, I would have to walk home, um, from school to, to, um, Blake road. That's like downtown. Um, but I, I, I would say it was still a good time. And then, um, not dealing with traumas cause you know, traumas, you have to deal with them. You can't bury them. And sometimes we bury them, you know, as females. And for those of you who are listening, if you are, if you have faced any trauma and you're in the church, I'm not saying God doesn't heal. I'm not saying he's not a, a, you know, a God who gives instant breakthroughs. I would not say that I'm an ordained minister and forget the title. I've lived my experience. So I know I can speak. But I'm saying to you, if you need to seek Christian counseling or or therapy, please do it. Please do it. The devil is intelligent. I think a lot of times we forget that he was intelligent. Like he he caused a a whole uproar. Same thing that we saw in the United States just a couple months ago. Um, That's what the devil did. He organized a whole overthrow in heaven, trying to overthrow God. He's intelligent. So don't allow anyone to tell you that you don't need therapy or you don't need to speak to anyone. Speak to someone. Yeah. So unaddressed trauma unaddressed trauma um, caused me to start seeking for love in all the wrong places. I didn't have a father. Um, again, as I said, I felt like I left out at Wilma's. And so... So I ended up in somebody's arm and ended up getting I got pregnant at, at age 17. And um, the family was already fractured. So when when they heard I was pregnant, I was immediately kicked out of the house. No question asked, nothing. You can't stay here. Where am I gonna go? I don't care. You can't stay here. You gotta go. And so I was kicked out and I lived on the street for the first three or four street, I guess. or three to five months of my pregnancy before the father of my child's family invited me to come live with them. So when I tell you that I've worked from my experiences and you would think that that would have been enough, but then after that, you know, going through that experience and having the child and not having a connection with her father, because really and truly, it wasn't like a relationship. I was just looking for love in all the wrong places. And again, just feeling out of place because now I'm in August town. I don't know people all this down looks weird. It looks like it's behind, behind God's back, you know, all this violence and stuff. And it was just a lot. And um, her father used to cheat a whole lot. Like he was one of those flashy, girls they called him girls man (laughs) so he was one of those guys and you know we would fight every day and one of the things that um, a lot of people don't know people close to the situation I remember one day we got in a fight and I stabbed him Wow! and yes so I was almost arrested Um, but he didn't report it because he was the instigator but I was defending myself and you know I just grabbed the closest thing and um, when that happened I got a wake-up call I'm like I have to leave have to get out of this yeah yeah yeah. so I left but the thing is again unaddressed trauma so I was finding myself all the time in abusive relationships one after the other after the other after the other Um, so I left him and then I was in another relationship the abuse continued it it, it just continued until um, I ended up Going back to church, because in Trelawney, you know, Pentecostal, I remember that, as I mentioned, that you have to be saved, you right. know. So I was baptized at age nine. So I knew Christ, or I would say I knew of him. Um, so when I was going through all of those traumas, I remember a woman coming to me. I was working at the University of the West Indies then, and um, I was very miserable and very nasty. I was in customer service. I shouldn't have been, but again, learning lesson. I was being very nasty to her. And she said to me, she said, what's going on with you? And I, you know, I was rolling my neck, like, you know, what do you mean? There's nothing going on with me. What's going on with you? (laughs) And she said, there is something deeper than what you're showing. And I, you know, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to talk with you. And so she took me in one of the classrooms and I didn't know this woman from a can of paint, never saw her before because I I knew all the students because I was working at uh, the the documentation center at the education department. So it's it's like the library. So the student, you know, all the students. So I've never seen her. Her name was Marceline Thorpe. Never forget her name. And um, she listened to me. I didn't know this woman. I was just pouring out. I went all the way back all the way back was pouring out and she started praying with me. She prayed over me. I was boohoo crying. I was, I was a hot mess. And she prayed with me. And I remember particularly that woman never invited me to her church. Cause you know how we are. We like to yeah. minister to people, and invite them to our church, never invited me to her church. She said to me, now, what I want you to do is on Sunday, I want you to find a Bible believing church and go to that church, and if you can, start going to that church every week, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, and I was like, okay, and I ended up at Church on the Rock, because it was the closest church to my house at the time, and ever since then, my life just shifted, it just shifted, I started searching more, I started going after God, I started seeking, and, um, you know, being at Church on the Rock, again, thought I was delivered and again we're talking about lessons learned met my 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 first husband and I was like okay this gonna be good I'm delivered you know I know what I know now and ended up again in another abusive relationship and um, I won't get into that much but all I can say is um, through it all through everything that has happened like every situation has taught me something Every situation, and Diana, I wanted—I want to interject here. It wasn't until I was forty years old that uh, my mom shared with me that. Uh, let me let me backtrack. I remember going to a church, and the, the the pastor prophesied to me and told me that there was a missing link. He told me that God was saying that there's something that I have to revisit, that I did not complete. And I was, you know, kind of wrapping my mind and trying to figure out what was it. I couldn't figure it out. And when I was 40 years old, my mom shared with me that the man I thought was my father is not my father. Wow, 40 and years I was old. 40 years old, yeah. 40. <laughs> and I mean, that thing shook my entire core. But even though it shook my core, I was not mad with her or anything like that. And then I, God brought me to the story of Moses. And when it was that Moses found his calling and it was, and then it came back to me what the pastor said. And I was like, this was why I struggled in these relationships. My, the identity that I was walking in was not mine. No, It was not mine. And so I was searching for something that I had no identity. I had, you know, when you have a blueprint of something, you have a a picture you can, you know, you're trying to put. I didn't have that. And so innately, my spirit, my soul was searching for that thing. And so when she told me that, um, again, even though it shook my world, it kind of gave me some closure. Because here it was, I was blaming this other man that I thought was my father, that he was not in my life, he did not support me. I even put it in my first book. But then he had no clue either.
0: Yeah.
1: And so these are some of the things when I when I talk about when I talk about the church sometimes have to move beyond the whole spiritualization of everything. You know, you can't, you can't get truth from a lie. No,
0: you can't.
1: I, I couldn't make that man my father if he's not, no. you see what I'm saying? So I'm making him out a demon when he's not, Yeah, there is no, there's no relation. There's no DNA. You know what I mean? And so um, I, 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 the, that kind of closed a chapter for me. And even though I wanted to know who my father is, was, I mean, I don't know if he's alive. I, I, I had to, and this was where, um, I had to forgive all the people who hurt and I had to forgive my ex-husband, but I even had to forgive my mother yeah. um, because, and this is why I dealt with it how I did. I looked back at her because at the time she was about 17 herself. She was running from a situation and got caught up with an area done. And so I kind of looked at her situation through the eyes of God yes. and looked at her situation through my own eyes at 17. And, and I could see her fear, I could see her um, timidity, you know, everything that she felt at that time. I felt and that allowed me to say, you know what, it is what it is. Um, you know, if I never find out who he is, that's fine. You know, God is my father. And it was when I I, I say, I said those words out of my mouth that I got closure and I got peace with the situation. So those are some of the situations that I mean, that, that has kind of shaped me into who I am today. Um, it, that same resilience I take yeah. into business, yeah. I take it into every area of my life. You know, I say, okay, if you start something and it doesn't work, start something else, you know, yeah, go so back makes- to God, say, okay, you are my father. You are my creator. What am I supposed to do with this information? I, I just pretty much just use the same, um, um, Pastor as, as you know, for, for lack of a better term, and put it on everything that I do. And I use these traits and these strategies in business, and it has helped me a whole lot. And that's the background that I teach from. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that is too hard for God. There yeah. is absolutely nothing that He has said that you should do that you cannot do. There is absolutely no challenge that is too big that you can't overcome. And if you allow yourself to move beyond offense, to move beyond the hurt, to move beyond the shame, you can achieve absolutely anything because guess what? Your business partner is God. So you can't fail.
0: Absolutely. Awesome, awesome testimony. Mm -hmm. I heard some amazing stories of just grace, courage, resilience, you made a mm-hmm. fundamental point that if we don't deal with our traumas, mm-hmm. how we're just repeating cycles yes. and how debilitating and damaging it can be, and until mm-hmm. we deal with our traumas and our hurts and our pains, we can't grow into who. We can't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just how much you had to forgive others. I know you yeah. had to see your mother through God's eyes mm-hmm. and the lens of forgiveness, right? Yes. Um, It's not easy, but it's possible. It's not. I I know there are lots of persons listening and they're like, um, so you admire what you see and you admire all of what Dr. Good has accomplished and, you know, but we don't take the time to look at the tough lessons and to learn from it. And I think if we all just take a moment and even just to reflect on what she has gone through and what you have gone through, then we really could see life differently. And as she Mm -hmm. said, we really could achieve what we ought to achieve. Um, you have said it, but how important was your faith in helping you to survive and thrive in these tough situations? Um, It was very
1: important. My faith, um, literally, I was having this conversation last evening with a girlfriend and we're talking about the pandemic and how different people have dealt with it differently and how many people have, you know, kind of dropped off in terms of their faith and you know, I was saying to her, there are just some things that I don't understand. And I'm not trying to come across as over spiritual or, you know, having arrived. But the Bible tells us that if you love God, yeah. you'll keep his commandment. If you love God, your walk is not hard. Yeah. It's, 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 let's use an example. What's your favorite subject, Diana? English. English, right? Do you like math?
0: Yes, but not as much.
1: <laughs> not as much. All right. So what's your worst subject? Physics. Physics. Okay. Um, if you get a physics question right now, what would you do? Um,
0: first thing, I think I might be thinking challenging. So mentally, my mind goes to this is hard. Exactly. Yeah. You tell yourself this
1: is hard because you don't love it. Right. We tell ourselves that walking the straight and narrow is hard because we don't love God. If we truly love him, we would
0: walk with him. If you
1: truly love him, it's not difficult. If you truly love what God has done for you and who he is, because sometimes we love what he has done, but not who he is. Because we believe, it's just like the parable of, of, of the talents when the one that buried his said, I know you're a man who is hard, so I buried it. He said he was hard. Why didn't he have the same perception as the others who got five and two? You see what I'm saying? So, something becomes hard to us when we're not invested, when we don't love it. And so, this is why I I try to understand. But for me, if simple things take you off course, it's because you are not invested, you're not passionate about it, you're not in love with it. And so, I am so much in love with God, in love with my walk, in love with my faith, in love with hearing well done. that yeah. it's the only thing that I think of. It's the only, I use it. I, I, like, again, I said, what would Jesus do? I literally ask that question before I respond to anything. Yeah. So I, I usually respond, I don't react. And so this is why I tell you in the first part that my, so my friend might say I'm boring because I don't react to things. You know what I mean? Something happened and like in my twenties and I, you know, when I didn't understand, I would, of course I would react. Now I respond. So I think about it. I think to myself, is it worth my time? Is anybody going to learn from this? Nobody's going to learn from it. Then I don't, you know, I'll give a respond and a respond can, can be anything. It can be not interested, won't respond, you know, a response can be anything, but I really don't react. So my faith is, is so important to me, Diane, like it's, it's, it's above everything. It's above, it's above my family. It's above my work. It's above my clients at the end of the day. And I don't want to spook anybody out, but I, even when I got in my forties, I literally every day at the end of the day, would ask myself, did I do what I was supposed to do? If I should die in my sleep,
0: yeah.
1: would, you know, would, would I be all right? Would I go to heaven? You know, I would literally start having those, those thoughts. And I was cool with it. I, I, I wasn't, you know, if I was having those thoughts in my thirties, I would start thinking, oh, Lord, mega like dead tomorrow, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. But no, I, 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 you know, would think, what would my welcome in heaven be? You know, what would God say kind of thing? And I would smile. And, you know, I would even think of what people would say when I'm gone. And I'll be like, wow, you know, I did what I was called to do. So that's how important my faith is. It's extremely important. Um, it's, it's above all. It's really above all.
0: It's your everything. It's your anchor. Yeah. It's your strength. It's what keeps you grounded. And that yes. really is what identifies you and gives you purpose Yes. Inside. All right. Yes. We're coming forward to, mm-hmm. you've made some, the God is doing a different thing in you and he's working through you and your journey takes you to the USA. What was yes. that transition like? And what were some of the lessons and skills you learned in Jamaica that helped uh-huh. to make the transition smooth? So you're now um, the, in your 30s and you're making a life transition, a big one. Yes. Um, but how, how was it for you?
1: Um,
0: it was a little bit rocky at
1: first. Um, I think, I would have gotten to the U S way ahead of the time that I came here because I was trying it, when they, when the whole idea of the U S came up, I was fresh out of my divorce, but the shame and the embarrassment and the talk and everything was still there. And so I did not want to run because I know I specifically God told me to stay and he wanted me to stay so that I would develop a, a backbone. I would yeah. develop that, that, um, Um, walk on water faith but stay focused looking at him so you know I remember and it was a fight for me because I was like God why do I have to you know um, I I would ask him why would I have to because I would go to places Diana and the topic of conversation would be me and then I walked in the place and it got quiet so I had a lot of situations like those and I you know I would like ask God why why do I need to stay and you know I literally stayed until I got to the place where I could smile if I heard a lie and I didn't have to defend it
0: yeah
1: and that's where he wanted me to be that I didn't have to defend because truth does not need defense the truth is the truth the thing is a lie moves faster than the truth and so by the time the truth catches up it's almost as if, you know, you're late, but a truth, but the truth will always be dependent. The truth does not need defense. That's why Jesus didn't defend himself. Yes. You know, when they say, who do you say you are? You say you're the king of the, he didn't have to defend himself. He's the truth. Yes. You know what I mean? So truth does not need defending. So I didn't, you know, I had to get to that point where, um, I didn't always feel like I need to defend this and defend that. And that's where he wanted me to, to be. And so that when, when I met my husband through Alicia, um, Christie, yeah. um, to this day, she always sees that she's going to start a matchmaking service, yeah. but she was the one who connected us. Um, it, it was, it was really refreshing, you know, for me, it was doing life all over again and doing it the right way. Um, everybody know that transitioning is kind you know it's hard because you you've reached this peak in Jamaica. I'd just done law school and had so many plans and then I came to the US and couldn't get no jobs. Um, I would have to do like three more years of law school for the basic things that I already did. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So like for the first year, I went through that transitional period where I was trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do. My husband was a um, job specialist and he couldn't get me a job. Like it was just so frustrating. And I remember one day I was in my living room. Again, God brought, brought back Moses to me and he said, what do you have in your, your hand? And I'm like, huh. And then he said, what do you have in your head? What do you have in your heart? And I'm like trying to figure out, okay, where, where are these thoughts going? And then I said, oh, okay. Um, okay, I can create things. You know, I, I, I ran people's organization. I ran my own business in Jamaica. You know, yes. I, I, you, you would know this. I ran a whole marketing talent management company for yes. several years artists and these artists were international artists they were getting awards stellar awards they were on BET um and 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 I was doing that by myself we didn't have we didn't have accountants we didn't have assistants it was me um we had a delivery person to deliver CDs but everything was pretty much me and I and I was like oh okay so I decided to take all that I had did a SWOT analysis and I decided to take all of my strengths and create a company providing the same kind of marketing branding admin service to other corporations who needed that help and that's how I decided to start my first business and as you know I didn't have money um right. but I had because with that whole divorce situation it takes a lot out of you um and and I remember even back home when it was printed in the newspaper what the court had awarded me. And people were like, she's so getting $100,000. And people didn't realize all of what goes into that. But the thing is, that broke immediately if, you know when I was going to get married. So now I'm on my own. And um, I didn't get anything from um, all the businesses that were built together. So now I, owe, I was left with $125. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna invest this. I took it, registered the company, started advertising on Craigslist, LinkedIn, um, got my first client. And let me tell this story. When I did a job interview, I was being offered $10 an hour, right? This is coming from somebody who had a consulting firm in Jamaica. I had I was working with with um, I was dressing people for TV, Kiki, and all these people for rising stars. I was working with Batco. I was working with Jamaica Chamber of Commerce. And now you want to give me ten dollars an hour. But anyway, I was planning on taking that. And then when I started the company, my first client made two thousand dollars in six wow. hours from my first client. I would have gotten $60 in six hours and the rest is history. Like wow. literally the rest is history. <laughs> wow.
0: And here we are today. Thank you so much, Dr. Joan Redgood, for sharing with us in part one of our conversation. Thanks for listening to D-Shark Thoughts Podcast. This episode was sponsored by D-Shark Coaching Services. If you know someone who is between the ages of 18 to 45 and who would benefit from my academic advising and career coaching services, please send me an email at dsharp 2013 at gmail.com or you can find me on my website, www.dsharpthought.com. So it's D as in D-E, sharp as in S-H-A-R-P-E, thought.com. It has been my absolute pleasure talking with Dr. Joan Wright Good today, entrepreneur now founder, I stand corrected, (laughs) Dr. Joan Redgood, global CEO, founder, author, publisher, thought leader, minister, mom, an effective and effectual wife. (laughs) Um, Do show us some love by sharing our podcast. If you know someone who would enjoy a dose of sisterly inspiration, stay tuned for next week's episode, where we talk to another sister who's just like you. Until next time, be kind to yourself, And others.